stand. You may be seated. Are you excited to be in church this morning? I'm looking forward to what God's going to say today. We are excited to have you. Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Titan the Knot. And uh, we just got to go back for a second. Last week was incredible at our grand opening. Exciting things happened. We had over 700 people attend. We gave out 215 bikes. And over 20 people gave their life to Christ. That's worth celebrating, right? That's just what it's all about. Pretty exciting stuff. And uh, that's thanks to you. I saw many of you out there just busy serving. You were in worship. You were in Ridge Kids Nursery. You were out passing out bikes. You were directing people with traffic. You were helping get coffee ready. You guys were just busy. And I'm so excited to see how God used each and every one of you. It's really great to be a part of a church who cares so much about our community. You see, Jesus, he gave us a command, didn't he? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was the last command that he gave. Well, at Southridge, we believe that God's last command is our first priority. That's what we believe here. That's why we say we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. We want people to find him, but then we want people to follow him. That's the goal of our church. It's why we exist this morning. And if you're here for the first time, we're excited that you're here with us and we're on a journey together. Great things are happening and we're looking forward to what God's going to do in the days ahead. We're kicking off a marriage series and I'm looking forward to the next several weeks. So let me just give us kind of the rundown of how the next several weeks is going to go. All right. In a relationship, dating, marriage series, couple of ground rules. If you hear something good that your spouse, boyfriend, or girlfriend needs to listen to, you're not allowed to stand up and worship in the middle of the sermon. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. They needed this. Don't, that's not allowed. All right. Another thing that's not allowed is when you get in your car on the way home to say, boy, did that preacher get you? Oh, he nailed you. Did you hear that? I know you missed the point, so I wrote them down for you. Here you go. You're welcome. No, that's not allowed either. That's not allowed, all right? So you let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit for your boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, spouse. You just let God work in their heart. This is for you. And you just say, Lord, just speak to me. Give me what I need to hear and uh, help me to get the message that I'm supposed to have. Now, this morning, for all the men, if you've been married for any length of time, you get this. But for those of you about to get married or you're considering marriage, there's a point system that you need to be aware of. You say, what do you mean the point system? Yes, husbands, we can score points with our significant other. Like, for example, there are certain things you can do for her that'll earn points for you. Now, you do not earn points if she expected you to do it. She expects you to take out the trash, so when you take out the trash, you don't get no points. No, no, that does not count. Now, you make the bed, one point. But if you forget the decorative pillows, negative five points. No, 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 you didn't get those pillows on the bed. Uh-huh. That doesn't take that one back. That take that off, you know. Uh, you go to the store for her to get something she needs from the store. Oh, that's one point. If it's raining, eight points. If it's raining, because it'll get extra trouble. But if you come back with something she didn't have on the list, that's for you, like golf clubs or something like that. Oh, that's negative 20 points. Uh, take 20 off. Take 20 off. Uh, there's a dinner party, and you go out with her, and you stay with her the entire evening. Oh, that's 25 points. Yep, you get 25 points. But if you leave her to go hang out with your friends, then that's negative 30 points. So you take points off. And if your friend's name is Tina, that's negative 100 points. Yep, yep. And if she looks good, negative 1,000 points. Mm-mm. You're not allowed to have friends that are female and look good. You're just not allowed to do it, okay? All right? And uh, then if she asks you, does this outfit make me look big? Just don't answer. 
just as a trick, you automatically lose. But if you do answer, do not say where. Just don't say that. Where? Don't, don't. Just don't. That's how you get into a whole lot of trouble. But over the next five weeks, we are going to be looking at several different Topics we are going to be talking about in this series. We're going to be talking about that we're made for marriage. We're going to be covering the subject of betrayal and cheating. We've got a special guest speaker. He's going to come in one week and he's going to talk about infidelity and he's experienced it in his own marriage. So that's going to come up in one week. We're going to talk about the right one. How do I know I'm with the right one? We're going to talk about how sex should not be second. And then today we're going to talk about the honeymoon is over. The honeymoon is over. And some of you, you're like, the honeymoon is over before it even started. And uh, that was Jane and I's story. It did not go well at all. We got married in San Diego, February 20th, 2009. I bought tickets to fly to Hawaii out of LAX. Why? I felt like we needed to fly out of LAX. So that meant after the wedding, we had to drive to LAX. And uh, then we had to get up early. And uh, you ever book one of those flights that you got a good deal? So that means you have to travel when nobody else wants to travel, like those ungodly hours, that's when you're stuck, so I was cheap, so yeah, our flight, it, we got married the night before, we didn't get to LA till like 11, and then we did some other stuff, and then so we were up late, and so then our flight was at like 6 in the morning, whose stupid idea was that, mine, it was mine, it was all, I, I have nobody else to blame it on, but me, and it just gets worse because I was so excited to get her uh, plane tickets and, and get everything set that I got her tickets, and we get to the ticket counter, and it was all good. They issued our ticket, and then we walked over to go get in the uh, TSA line, you know, where TSA checks everything, and Jane pulls out her ID, and her ID and her ticket didn't match. You say, why? Because in my zeal to buy her airplane ticket, I put her new married name. One problem, none of her identification had her new married name. Like, no, that's just not, that's not going to happen. So she had Ermler on her ticket, and it said Tanami-san on her ID. And I was like, come on, we just got married. And the guy's like, no, I don't, I don't care. So that didn't go well. And then we finally, late, we spent all day in LAX. We finally made it to Hawaii. And so we're driving to the hotel, and uh, my newly married, wonderful bride, Jane, she asked the guy that's driving us to the hotel, hey, is such and such a hotel a nice place? And and uh, he was an older gentleman. He said, it used to be. And I was like, oh, man. Because she asked me, she was like, hey, how much did it cost for the hotel? And I was like, well, it was free. I bought the plane tickets. They threw it in for free. And she knew. Like, she just knew this could not be good. And, uh, you know, dudes, we can, we can just stay wherever. We're like, there's a bed. It's our honeymoon. Like, what else do we need? You know, we're just kind of like, we're just, there's not a whole lot of planning that goes into this stuff for us. And uh, I opened up the balcony window, and there was a rope tied from the little balcony going to the other side to another building, and people were hanging laundry on the rope at the hotel we were staying in. That's the kind of hotel this was. Not five-star. As a matter of fact, when we checked in, I think they were taking their last star down. I think they were going to bury it. Rest in peace over that last star. It was horrible. We had three free nights. We stayed for about 11 hours, all right? And we just weren't staying because we got in so late. And then it just gets worse, not better. You're thinking, you're in Hawaii. How can Hawaii be bad? Trust me, I messed it up. The honeymoon died. The honeymoon phase ended for us on the honeymoon. And so we uh, got on the airplane and we flew to Kauai. And I land there. We are in the rental car. We're headed to the hotel. And I called the hotel because I can't find it. I said, hey, I can't find your resort. Can't find the hotel. And the guy is like, "Uh, well, what street? I was like, well, the map says there's only one street on Kauai. And I'm driving. I can't find it. And he's like, "Uh, sir, you're on the wrong island. And I was like, you got to be 
kidding me right now? And uh, so then we finally uh, made arrangements to get to the next island. Only problem was I'm completely broke at this point. Like I put everything into the honeymoon. My credit cards are maxed out. So I had to look over at my beautiful wife and be like, so uh, we're on the wrong island and um, you don't like the free hotels that I get. So uh, we need to get to this other island, but I'm broke. Do you have any money? And she's like, yes. And uh, so she paid for it. And we flew to the uh, correct island, which is Hawaii. We land, we get there. And it just gets better because Jane gets an allergic reaction to the sand, she said, to the sand. So then she has to take Benadryl throughout the entire honeymoon. Can I tell you there's a problem with, and it's not just regular Benadryl. The doctor's like, you have a, a bad allergic reaction. I got to give you like triple strength. I was like, really, doctor? Are you sure that's necessary? So uh, we have eight days on this island. And guess what she did the entire time? Sleep because she's taking this Benadryl because of her allergic reaction. She said, I had an allergic reaction to the sand. I was like, right. And it just, the honeymoon was just one bad story after another. And some of you feel like, yeah, that's, that's kind of my life. I feel like, man, it's just the relationship's not going well. The honeymoon's kind of over. We've only been married a year or maybe we've been married 10 years and just feel like the honeymoon died and you're not sure what to do about it. And you've come to the right place because when it comes to institutions, the Bible silent about a lot. Schools are very important, but the Bible doesn't say anything about schools. Hospitals are very important, but the Bible doesn't say anything about hospitals. Uh, institutions are all over, nonprofits, for-profits, all these great institutions. The Bible doesn't have anything to say about it. But when it comes to the institution of marriage, that's one thing the Bible has a lot to say about. And whether you're married, thinking about mar- getting married, this message will help you. And maybe you're at a point where you just feel like the spark is gone, the spark is out, and it's just not working. I'm praying that this series will reignite some things in your heart as we look at a biblical look at your marriage. So here's what I want to do. I want to go to a book entitled Job or otherwise pronounced Job. Looks the exact same. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you. That's our gift to you. You could take that and keep it. Otherwise, it'll be up here on the screen and you can follow along. Just two verses. We're going to look at two verses. But as you're turning to the book of Job chapter two, let me give you a little backstory. This guy, Job, is wealthy. He's got it made. He's got a great family. He has wealth. He's got mansions. He's got all kinds of money. He is loaded. And one day the Bible recounts that Satan was walking and talking with God. And God says, have you looked and seen my servant Job? And Satan says, yeah, I've seen Job. And God says, look at how righteous he is. Look at how much he loves and cares about me. And then Satan says, yeah, because you put your hand of protection over him. But if you remove your hand of protection and you let me curse him, guess what? He'll curse you. He won't be faithful to you. So God makes a little bet and says, okay, let's see. So God removes his hand of protection over Job. And the Bible says that Job loses all of his children. They all die in one day. In the same day, another servant comes running up and says, Job, all of your wealth is gone. It's all been stolen. In that day and age, wealth was made, comprised in your cattle. It was comprised in your land. And all that was taken. In the same day, all of his homes burned down. In the same day, his body breaks out in disease and boils. So what happens is in chapter 2, we find Job. He's distraught. In Middle Eastern culture, you would rip your clothes and you would cover yourself in ash. And this man has no home, no money. He's poor. He's destitute. And he's now sitting on the city 
dump and his body's broken out in sores and he's scraping the sores because they itch so bad. You ever had uh, things that just itch? You just keep scratching at it even though now you have these bloody sores. So he's got these bloody sores. He's got three or four friends around him. They're all sitting there. They're just discouraged and his wife comes to him and notice what she says. And if you've grown up in the church, you've probably seen this and read this and I think she gets a bad rap and you'll see why. Notice in Job chapter 2, verse number 9, the Bible says his wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And at first it just seems like, wow, what a terrible, terrible wife. Like, talk about kicking a guy when he's down. She's like, man, just curse God and die. And maybe that's what you feel like with your relationship. You just feel like, you know, this relationship, whether you're married, engaged, or dating, you just feel like this relationship can die. I I just let it go. It's not worth it anymore because we believe the lie that love is easy. That love is easy. We should just feel it. And when I don't feel it, it's not real. And today, it's all about love, isn't it? All the movies, it's all about finding that amazing love. And if you can't find it, man, you get yourself an eHarmony account. Man, you search the web until you find it. I mean, it's just like it's out there. You just got to go on a search and find it. But what we see here is something so much deeper. So pull it back just for a second and look at these two verses. At first, we see that it seems like Job is kind of shutting his wife up, but that's not what he's doing. He didn't call her a foolish woman. He said, you're speaking like a foolish woman. Now, here's the thing. She just went through everything that Job went through. Those weren't just Job's kids. Those were her kids that died. She's mourning them as well. It wasn't just Job's house that got destroyed. It's her house that she decorated and she painted and she went to the Magnolia store and she got with Chip and Joe on a games and they were on the TV show and they built that house. And man, they took a lot of work into it and it's gone now. And all of a sudden she's distraught about it. And it's not just that. It's now also that all her wealth is gone. And then to boot, her husband's sitting on the city dump and just kind of distressed and depressed And she just doesn't know how to handle it. And instead of us looking at Job's wife and our kind of, oh, better than her, let's put ourselves in her shoes for a moment. She has every right to feel these feelings. And what does Job do? At first, we think he's rebuking her, but that's not what he does at all. Notice what he actually says. He says, honey, you're speaking like a foolish woman. He didn't call her a foolish woman. He's he's saying you're speaking like it. What he's saying is this. He's saying, hey, babe, this isn't you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I know we just went through a really horrible, horrible thing. But guess what? This isn't you. You're better than this. Isn't that amazing? That's what he's really saying to her. He's not putting her down. He's saying, hey, guess what? You don't have to act like that. You're above that. You're better than that. Hey, God, he will bless us. God will be in this situation. And what happens is we go through marriage or we just think, man, marriage is going to be awesome. It's always going to be great because we have such high expectations of it. And when it comes to any relationships, you're coming with expectations. So what happens is we get married. Now, tying the knot is a cultural term for getting married, isn't it? So we say it like this. The wedding day is where we tie the knot. And if you're married, you had a wedding day, and that's where you tied the knot. But marriage is where you tighten the knot. But we live in a day and age where it seems like people are just looking for any excuse to just 
cut the knot, to just kind of do away with it. And I want to see over the next several weeks, how do we not just fall in love, but how do we stay in love? How do we rekindle love? And that's the point of the series, that how do we tighten the knot once you've tied the knot? Because we need it tighter today more than ever. So first of all, we need to see that. uh, Let's go back. Let's see how we fell in love. It's where it starts, doesn't it? We all fell in love. Isn't love awesome? Remember those, those butterfly feelings? Remember the giggles? Remember the first time you were with them? You were just like, this person's amazing. You couldn't wait to talk to them, couldn't wait to be around them. There was just something about love. You love being in love. And some of you, that's why you hop from relationship to relationship to relationship because you love the feeling of love more than you love love because you have the wrong idea of love. And we'll see that. All that it takes to fall in love is a pulse. That's all it takes. If you want to fall in love, all you need is a pulse. It's not hard to fall in love. As a matter of fact, I joke around that people can kind of fall in love with anything. We just kind of fall in love. Some of you are in love with your football team. And you're just kind of like, man, the Niners, I can't believe he tore his ACL. can't believe he's out for the season. Ah, what am I going to do? You're just in love. Some of you are in love with the person next to you. Some of you used to be in love with the person next to you. And some of you are like, I got way too much giggles out of that one. We struck a nerve right there is what happened. My goodness. Uh, So when it comes to this thing of love, falling in love is easy. All that it requires is a pulse. But staying in love requires perseverance and a plan. To fall in love, all you need is a pulse, but to stay in love is going to require perseverance and a plan because you, when you say, I was experiencing love, what you were actually experiencing was not love at all. When you first met that person, you think it was love. It was labeled love. It had all the earmarks of love, but when you first fell in love with that person, that was not love. You say, what do you mean? What it was is this. You see, you and I, when we find out somebody's attracted to us, that person automatically looks more attractive. Because we are really self-centered, but we just don't admit it. So when we find out that she's interested in us, we're like, well, of course. I mean, look at this. I mean, I'm the total package. Yes, she's smart and beautiful because she digs this. I mean, it's great, man, you know? And so all of a sudden, that's not love, that's ego. That's our pride. That's what it is. And so you felt like I fell in love because this person loves me. No, no. You love how she or he made you feel. That's not love. And what happens is we keep chasing the feeling, whatever it takes. That's why illicit affairs, I'm just going to point it out. Illicit affairs, the sex is always going to be better. The, 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 the emotions are always going to spark. Why? Because there's something, there's something, oh, I can't have it, but I really want it. You know, it's just like, yes, it's always going to feel better. But that only lasts for so long. You see, what happens when it comes to love is we need to understand what love actually is. Love is not receiving. Love is actually giving. You see, here's what happens. I've met so many couples that they split the relationship from one thing or another. And when it comes to splitting a relationship, understand that I know there's so much pain and so much hurt and so much emotional and mental and sometimes physical hurt that you went through. So I'm not minimizing it. Please understand me. I'm not minimizing the pain that you went through. But here's what's interesting. You may have split from that person because why? Because there wasn't enough love there. But it's interesting. If you had children in the relationship, you still love the children. You're like, well, duh. Well, no, 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 hold, hit me out for a second. What's funny is your children actually don't do anything for you. 
They really don't. They are a drain on you emotionally, physically, financially, in every way. They just drain you. As a matter of fact, kids is an acronym means keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. I mean, kids will kill your intimacy. I mean, you let your kids in the bed. I'm telling you, you ain't never getting nothing. It's not going to happen with the kids in the bed, you know, and uh, just get them out, get them their own room, lock the door, you know, and it's just like, I got some amens there. I'll just park it right there. I'm telling you what. So when it comes to these things of children, they don't do anything for us. They take, they take, they take for 18 years. They take, but guess what? Nowadays, it seems like they keep taking till about 28, you know, 28 is kind of the new number, right? Here's be 18. Now it's about 28 and uh, they just keep taking, but here's what's funny. You didn't divorce yourself from them. Why? And here's why, because there was real love. Let me explain it. Love is never what I receive. It's always what I give. And as I keep giving, guess what I learned to do? I learned to love that person. Just like you learn to love your kids. Because they could never do anything for you. And don't say, well, they once gave me a Father's Day card. Excuse me, he wrote that in crayon. You gave him a hundred bucks and he came back with a card written in crayon. And he's 21. Like, come on. It's time where he gets something else, like for real now, you know? And it's like, no, they don't give. They don't. That's the nature of children, all right? They're not going to give back. They just constantly take from you. But here's the thing. Why do you love them? Because you've had to keep giving, keep giving. And here's the secret about keep giving. Uh, Mother Teresa once said this. She said, when you learn to give until it hurts, you will realize that giving no longer hurts. Some truth to that, isn't it? When you realize that love was never what I receive, it was always about what I give. This is why the Bible says that with great love, Christ loved us. With such great love, Christ loved us in that while we were yet sinners. Meaning, while I was doing the wrong thing, living the wrong lifestyle, doing all the wrong junk in that moment. Not when I cleaned myself up, not when I looked great and lovable. The Bible says that Jesus loved us, not at my best, but at my worst. That's when he loved us. And the Bible says he gave himself for us. That's the nature of love. See, some of you, you're not generous with your love because you're bankrupt. You say, why? Because you feel like, I got no more love to give my spouse. I got no more love to give this person because you don't understand where love comes from. You think love's got to come from the emotions. That'll always run out. Come on. Your boss will zap that account. Your mother-in-law will zap that account. Your children will zap that account. Traffic will take that account and just drain it. I mean, just gone, just gone. And all of a sudden you get home and now you're trying to love. No, there's nothing left unless you have a different source. Unless you understand where love comes from. You see, falling in love is easy when we understand what love really is. You see, we fall in love, and that was great, but we don't understand that that's not actually love. Love is actually giving and serving. And some of you, you're like, my marriage is so hard. And I'm telling you what, statistics say that 80% of marriages will get better if you stay in it for over five years. Jane and I, we are maybe a little bit slow. It took us about seven years. We're almost married 10 years, but it took us about seven years before the relationship started getting better. I'm a very slow learner. Very slow. Most of our problems are my fault, and I'll own up to it. But here's the reality. Now I'm looking back, and there were moments where I'm like, I don't know if I love this person. And now you're thinking, that's a horrible thing to say. No, 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 really. There were things, times where you're just like, I don't know if I love this person. So write this down. First of all, uh, we fall in love. Secondly, we forget how to love. And it's because we say this to ourselves, or maybe you've heard this said. Raise your hand if you ever heard somebody say this. I don't feel in love anymore. You ever heard anybody say that? 
You ever thought it? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> don't do that. Don't. Some of you are like, Whoop, and I just, I saved you, saved you. And uh, just don't, not right now. You know, in another moment, in counseling, you can say it all you want. But uh, when it comes to right here, we, we've met people that say, I don't feel in love. And guess what? They're, they're right. That's true. But it's only half true. You see, that's where culture stops. That's where the movies stop. Where if you don't feel it anymore, then guess what? End it and go find where you feel it. You see, here's the reality. Love, it should not be based on what we feel. Write this statement now. Your emotions are real, but that doesn't mean they're right. Your emotions are real. It doesn't mean they're right. So acknowledge that you feel not in love right now. There are moments when I do not feel in love with Jane, and there are moments she does not feel like being in love with Micaiah. But guess what? In those moments, we don't make big decisions. Any of you read any Greek mythology? Anybody remember the stories of Ulysses and the sirens? Remember what was happening as he was sailing past where the sirens were? Because what would happen is all these ships, they would get wrecked on the beaches because the sirens call would serenade them and would pull the sailors into the reef and they would wreck their boats and they would die. So Ulysses, what he did is he told all of his sailors to put ear, uh, to put earwax, to put wax in their ears, beeswax. They already had enough of the other stuff. And he put beeswax, but he himself tied himself to the mast and he told his sailors, whatever I say, don't do, just stay on course. Because he knew in a moment, I'm going to be really weak and I'm going to make some very poor decisions. But when I'm weak, let's not act on those decisions. There are certain times in your relationships, you are weak. Don't act on that. When you are weak and all of a sudden there seems to be somebody at the office who's emotionally supportive, don't act on that. When you feel like, man, our intimacy is dead and there's somebody at work, they're looking for a quick hookup, don't act on that. Don't act on it because why? We forget how to love. We forget it because we just get into this emotion that we don't feel it and we got to go feel it and we got to do whatever we have to to feel it. You see, love is not a lesson, it's a demonstration. And some of us, we want a lesson on love, but what we need is a demonstration. What your spouse needs is a demonstration of love. They don't need to be told a lesson about love. Your spouse doesn't even need to hear this message. What they need to see is you loving them. They need to see the fact that, guess what? When they are sick, when they're not acting lovable, that that's when you show up and you love them. You see, it's really easy to love your spouse when they're doing good and everything's right and you come home with roses. That's actually more about you than it is about your spouse. Do you know that? When your spouse is behaving well and you reward them, that's about you. That's not about them. Show up when she's not behaving how you'd want with some roses and give her a foot rub. That's love. Show up when he is being a royal jerk and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to give you a back rub right now. And I promise, you know, it's just, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, he doesn't deserve it. But that's love. Love is giving. It's not the receiving. And so too often we think, man, we just need a, 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 a lesson on love. No, we need a demonstration. You see, selfless sacrifice, men, makes a woman feel secure when we selflessly sacrifice. You see, another one that you might want to write down is this. Instinct needs to be a choice to be reinstated. You say, what do you mean instinct? Remember when you first fell in love? Remember the instinct? Come on, guys, we would do this. We would clean the car. Now you haven't cleaned your car in six months. You don't care. You go on a date night. You're like, just step over the dirty diapers. It's all good. Just, just climb over. Just climb over, you know? And uh, her doorknob doesn't even work. You're like, just fiddle with it. Just, just break the glass and hop in. It's all good. I don't care about this car, you know? But remember that first date? 
man, you cleaned the car. You got it looking good. If there was a dent, you pulled up on the other side so she wouldn't see the dent in the car. You ran around. You got the door, and you did all the nice little stuff. You had flowers. You got real flowers, not from the cemetery that you stole off a tombstone and brought to her. I mean, you went and bought them. I mean, you spent real money, got her flowers. And, 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 and some of you ladies were like, yeah, he was so sweet. He did so many nice things. And we would come to a stop. He'd put his arm out like this to shield me. That was about something else, but we won't go there. Uh, that was, yes, instinct, instinct. There's all these things that, that he used to do. Here's what happened. We stopped doing them. The thing that got us into the relationship and that made it just sing, we stopped doing. We stopped pulling the chair out for her. We stopped saying, hey, man. Your muscles look really big. And if you're lying, Jesus will forgive you. Just, it's okay. But I mean, there's these things that we used to do because why? We were actually fighting for love. You see, what happens is we stop fighting for love. We're saying we, we forgot how to love. So we stop fighting for it. Because why? We say the instinct's gone and I'm not going to try to get it back. But that was the thing that really worked, that really made the relationship go. So we need to learn to be what I call speak or be emotionally bilingual. You say, what do you mean emotionally bilingual? I had an interesting conversation. My wife is from the Philippines. She grew up in the Philippines, came over to the United States when she was 15 years old. So I asked her a question. I said, hey, babe, when you dream, what language do you dream in? You know what she told me? She said, Tagalog. How many are from another country and you dream in a different language? I'm just curious. Okay, she's the only weird one in the church. Okay, anyway, but, but I asked her another question. I said, when you think... Is it in English or Tagalog? She's like, oh, it's Tagalog. She's like, then I have to think about saying it in English. And I was like, that's so much how men and women are. We think man and we speak man. I've used this one before. I'll use it again. When a woman says, I have nothing to wear, what is she actually saying? I have nothing new. When a man says, I have nothing new or nothing to wear, he's actually saying, I have nothing clean. That's, that's what he's saying. All right. Two totally different things. Why? Because as men, we need to not only think as men, but we need to speak as a woman. And I know some of you are like, man, man, my chauvinist card, you know, my machismo, no, I'm not going to do that. And you wonder why your relationship's suffering. But we need to be emotionally bilingual. We see the needs of the others. Think about this. Ask yourself this question. What is it like to be married to me? And stop saying, oh, it's the best. It's awesome. Our intimacy life is amazing. Ten for sure. No. What if we really got honest and we're like, it probably stinks to be married to me. I'm always grumpy. I don't come home for dinner. I never help out with the kids. And when I get home, I just, I just pull out Xbox and I just play Xbox Live with my friends. And I can't remember the last time I actually had a face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball conversation with her that was over 15 minutes and didn't involve dinner, bills, or the kids. Maybe a problem. When it gets quiet, I know the Holy Spirit's working. Because I was this person. I was the person that said, I'll just work. They call it like this, that ministry can become your mistress for pastors. But some of us, we just want to succeed. And you feel like you're failing at marriage. So you're looking for somewhere where you can succeed. So if a man, if he can't succeed at work, and if he can't succeed at home, and if he can't succeed with his children, can't succeed financially, he's like, okay, then I'll go back to my sexual conquests. If a woman doesn't feel like she's succeeding with her husband, with her home, then she's going to look for somewhere where she could succeed. And that's what's happening today. 
So we're no longer tightening the knot. We're now at a point where we are at this, this, this dangerous point in our country because people are trying to untie the knot. We're not getting it tighter. It's getting loose. And so this morning, I want to challenge us to tighten the knot. What I've made is a fisherman's knot. Anybody familiar with knots? Anybody? A few of you. Those are the ones that stayed from the first service so they could raise their hand. But this is a fisherman's knot. What's really cool about a fisherman's knot is the fact that it all depends. The knot gets tighter based on the direction that you pull. So if I pull these two little ends, guess what? The knots aren't getting closer. It's not getting tighter. It's actually getting weaker. But here's what happens. We in our marriages, we don't understand that there are things that are pulling us apart. Not talking, pulling us apart. The kids can pull us apart. There are things that you're allowing, television, hobbies. There are things that you're just allowing to pull you apart. Your addiction to things pulling you apart. And what God wants through this series is things that actually pull you together. So what is actually pulling you? You see, some of you are in a relationship and you feel like we're just at each other's throats and we're just, we're just drifting apart. And you might be. You might be drifting apart. When I say drifting, that's more of the emotional distance. Because we always drift apart emotionally before we do physically. Physically is the last one. Physically is the one where... I'm going to go. I'm going to pack my bag. I I don't know when I'll be back. We're just going to take a little break. That one happens way after the emotional. And we ignore the emotional signs. If you're in that place where you just say, this person's emotionally distant, then you need to say, hey, I'm going to pray that God would work in this series to help us to get away from the point where we're pulling apart and we're now pulling together. Because what God wants is he wants to pull you guys together. And what's so cool about the fisherman's knot as you pull, and some of you feel like the tension is what's hurting your relationship. No, no, no. As you pull together, guess what happens? The knot gets tighter. And that's what we want for your marriage. We want you guys to pull together. And you feel like, no, no, this isn't right. No, no, no. It's going to feel counterintuitive. It's going to feel like, man, this is yucky and this is messy because this is real love. Real love is not trips to the Bahamas and real love is not these uh, flings. Real love is the fact that guess what? He's got the flu, he's throwing up and you're bringing chicken noodle soup and you're going to rub Vicks on his feet that haven't been trimmed in a while and are nasty and scuzzy. And that is love, my friend. Love is the fact that guess what? She cranked out a couple babies. Her body doesn't look the same, but you go up to her and say, "Mm, baby, you still got that magic. Where are the kids at? Send them to the sitters. We're going to get it on. I'm telling you what, that's what real love, where you say, man, I, I don't need anybody else. I only have eyes for you. But we're in a culture that just says, you know what? Just, it's easy. Just, just, just break the knot. But we want to be a church that says, no, tighten that knot. Tighten that knot. And we're going to see next week how science and scripture back each other up that marriage actually is healthier for humans, that people that are married, they make more financially, they're happier, they're more fulfilled. All the research supports marriage. Now, we live in a culture that says marriage is boring. Who would ever want that? No, it's not. There's so many benefits that we're going to see, but we've got to get back to the point where we say, you know what? I'm going to pull the knot. I'm going to pull with my spouse, not against them. You see, we're here to encourage them to change, but problems arise when we enforce them to change. And some of you are trying to enforce your spouse to change instead of encouraging them to change. There's a great little statement I want you to practice. It's three simple little words to help you this week. You see, when one of you comes to the other after a fight or after an argument, and they say to you, I'm sorry, don't say, yeah, you better be. Don't say, well, it's about time. Say this when they said, I'm sorry. Say, so am I. Touch your neighbor and say, so am I. So am I. When they come to you and they say, man, I wish that hadn't happened. 
say, so am I. Our marriage is stronger than that. Our relationship's going to be stronger than that. We're going to pull together. We're going to get the the knot so tight that Satan, nothing can pull us apart. You know what's amazing? Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And what's amazing about that, because the word leave means physically leave. The word forsake means to emotionally leave. And Jesus said, I'll never physically leave you. I'll never emotionally leave you. I'm always there. And we know he's there in the power and person of the Holy Spirit. And he's here. He's in our marriages. And he's saying, I'm right here. So if you feel like your love bank is broke and bankrupt, Jesus says, I'm right here. You can tap into me. I'll give you the love that you need. If you feel like you have anxiety and you don't have any peace in your life and in your relationships, Jesus says, I'm right here. You can tap into me. You don't have to wait for your spouse to get it right. You can still be right and do right. You don't have to wait for them to be perfect when you could say, Jesus, I don't have enough grace in this situation. I need you right now to help me pull in the right direction because I want to pull this thing apart. And there'll be moments in your marriage and in your relationship, you're like, just pull it apart. I don't care anymore. I just want to give up. There have been arguments that Jane and I have gone in where we were emotionally numb, where our voices were hoarse from yelling, where we just felt like, let's just end it. Let's just quit. And it was in those dark moments we said, no, 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 the Holy Spirit is here. And what happened is we decided to be sweet in spirit, but violent in our prayers for one another. We said, you know, what marriage is not always going to be the greatest happiest decision it's going to be an act of defiance against the devil who's against us because in genesis chapter number two god created marriage and in genesis chapter three the devil showed up to ruin it so you better mark it down that as soon as you get married satan's against you he's fighting to separate you so you got to make a decision as you know what devil i'm going to act in defiance somebody say not today devil not today devil you say you know what he's had it's rule and reign and that day is over we've seen enough bro- broken marriages, enough broken relationships. We need to see what the Holy Spirit can do, how he can bring dead things to life, how he can resurrect relationships that you thought were over, that were gone, where you say, God, I know you can save this. You may find yourself in a desperate place, a lonely place, a hurting place, but this morning, we serve a God who loves you. We serve a God who will save you. We serve a God who will give you a great relationship. We serve a God who can restore that broken thing. We serve a God who says, let's tighten the knot in Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's stand and let's worship together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are a God that helps us to tighten the knot. When we feel drained, when we feel distant, when we feel disappointed, when the marriage is disillusioned to us, we feel like it's not even worth it anymore. Where all of a sudden we want to go look up old flings and imagine what might have been and wish for what was. But yet God help us to see a future beyond our current pain right now. Help us to see that Jesus in us is the greatest power in the world and that you will give us the peace, the joy, the gladness that we need in this moment. So I pray for every single relationship. I pray for the ones that are dating right now. I pray for the ones that are engaged right now. I pray for the marriage that just started or the marriage that's been going for 20, 30, 40, and 50 years. I pray that they would have a special power over their relationship, that you would bless it. May Southridge Church be a church that we see great marriages, great relationships, where we see people who they have the greatest joy, the greatest love, where they understand what true love really is. And may we experience it here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.